Last week, Travis County prosecutors publicly stated that the county will no longer prosecute marijuana offenders after confusion over the implementation of House Bill 1325. The bill, which legalized hemp in the state, defines hemp as cannabis that contains less than 0.3% of THC, or the hallucinogenic compound that makes weed, well, weed. But because the process of testing cannabis for the exact amount of THC is a lengthy and costly process, some counties in the state simply do not have the capacity to thoroughly prosecute possession of marijuana. But there is also a flip side to the coin. Despite the bill, should the state of Texas liberalize its thinking on prosecuting marijuana possession, a move other states have taken with successful outcomes? Well, district attorneys from across the state think so. If we are serious about solving the jail's overpopulation crisis here in Hayes County, while working to streamline the court process, wouldn't it make sense to change the paradigm around marijuana offenders? To local activists, yes, that's exactly what we need to be doing. In 2017, possession of marijuana was a leading offense that led to an arrest in Hayes County. Now that equates to 866 arrests in 2017 alone, which potentially means 866 people who were dragged through the jail and court process. Hi, I am your host, XR Arguello, and this week on the San Marcos Scoop, you'll be hearing from the voices of two individuals who have dedicated countless hours on reforming the criminal justice system here in Hayes County. First, you hear from Karen Munoz, the co-founder of local immigration and criminal justice activist group Mano Amiga. And secondly, you'll hear from Mr. Joe Patak, a local resident, activist, and specialist in the criminal justice system. There are a number of states, I can't tell you how many, in the United States that have already uh, legalized marijuana, right? I think that's part of the conversation, too. And I'm not necessarily asking we should do that. I have my own personal opinions about that. But I think those states prove that this is economically a good thing if we were to do that, right? And I think the fact that they were willing to do that even, those other states, um, proves to me that it maybe isn't an issue of public safety, right? Why do jails exist? Don't they theoretically exist to address public safety? Hmm. Um, I don't know that marijuana, small possessions of marijuana especially, like I don't think that releasing people will be a danger to public safety. That really translates to our inmate population, which I've talked about on the show a lot before, but really has been a central focus of the commissioner's court. A lot of people in this town, the efforts of Mano Amiga, our inmate population is through the roof. It, it's our jail is so overcrowded that we are not only creating a bigger jail, which you can argue doesn't solve the problem at all, mm-hmm. right? It just, you know, law of induced demand, the bigger you build it, the more it'll fit. But we're actually outsourcing inmates now. And uh, the numbers that you all shared with me, um, you know, are, are really telling. Possession of marijuana, if you look at the top six um, uh, uh, offenders, the top six, you know, arrests in Hayes County from 2013 to 2017, possession of marijuana is top of the list. In 2017 alone, we had 866 arrests for possession of marijuana. Those are people who potentially are staying the night in our jail. Uh, in terms of our inmate population, if we, you know, cite and release, right, if we don't put these people in the jail. Do we believe that our do you believe that our inmate population will substantially decrease because of that? That number that you stated about marijuana and how many people are in the system for that. Um so that's roughly 20% of everybody on the court docket. Hmm. And the reason jails are so filled is because the courts are so clogged. Right? So even if I get charged with possession of marijuana and I only spend one night in jail, 
um, I, I'm still on the court docket, right? So I'm taking up space there. And while I'm taking up space on the court docket, somebody who's in jail for a violent crime isn't seeing the judge yet, right? So it's, this conversation isn't even just about the jail population and there's, they're both deeply connected, right? But because while someone's waiting for their day in court, they're often in jail. But the whole problem of mass incarceration, both locally, and I believe that we have a mass incarceration problem in this county, but also at the state level and national, all of that is not only about jails, it's about courts too, right? And it's the reason people are staying in jail is because courts are clogged. So if 20% of our court docket is made up of marijuana, marijuana possession, when we live in the United States where there are multiple states, right, um, that have legalized, then I think it would make sense that getting rid of that population, taking them off the court dockets, just citing and releasing, right, Um, um, not keeping people in the court system at all for these crimes, then I think that that will logically, it'll logically follow that, the jail population will be decreased too. So basically what you're saying is that because, you know, 20% is, is, is taking up that space in the court system, there are other people who are violent offenders or might have, you know, more serious crimes that are not seeing that day in court. It, the lines basically just clogging lines mm-hmm. and, you know, we're seeing an issue within the court system that, um, you know, we're, we're not adequately, uh, passing people through the system, if you will. Right. Yeah. So the entire system's clogged. Exactly. I think you said it perfectly. Travis County, their DA came out and said that they're going to reject marijuana prosecutions. I know a lot of other counties, a lot of other DAs, a lot of other cities even have come out through, across the state and said this. Uh, what's been the reaction to this? I mean, our neighbor in the north is doing something about this. So, you know, how do you all feel about that? Right. Yeah, I think that it's a smart step forward. And I think part of that, part of the reason that that was done in Travis County and other counties is um, because people understand that it's more cost efficient to instead allocate resources in other places, right? Like there's a problem all over the place where we're not testing rape kits. So doesn't it make more sense to use money to test those um, than to use it to test these substances, right? Um, I think that's part of the realization. It's just cost efficiency. And what do we want to prioritize? Do we want to prioritize testing these small amounts of marijuana to see if they're actually hemp, right? Or do we want to, which is costly. I don't have the exact number, but I've, it's, definitely tens of thousands of dollars, right? So do we want to spend money doing that or do we care about other things? Especially when we just mentioned, right? Like marijuana is not about public safety, it would seem, right? I mean, alcohol is legal, right? Like, and we, that's way more dangerous even. So why are we taking marijuana so seriously? Yeah. Looking at House Bill 1325, which uh, was signed by by uh, Governor Greg Abbott towards the end of the session, sometimes referred to as the Farm Bill, uh, it specifically defines hemp as cannabis that contains less than 0.3% of THC. Now, THC is the hallucinogenic uh, substance within marijuana that makes it what, you know, hallucinogenic, if you will. Um, However, we were kind of talking about this before, how we kind of didn't see the consequences of this bill. Now, 0.3% of THC is pretty low, but hemp is, is legal. Right. And hemp is different than, you know, uh, I guess by definition, you know, marijuana. Um, But this bill was really aimed at helping um, in some ways. And and it did a little bit, but in some ways it did backfire. I think that this still is a situation and a conversation about, again, resources. Right. So if practically this bill means that, okay, so hemp is legal, we're going to treat it as such. And if someone has a small amount of marijuana and it would take, a lot of money to test the difference, then practically what we should do is either we're going to spend a lot of money to test 
all of these cases and we read the numbers, right? Or we're going to reallocate resources. Um, I think that maybe this wasn't their intention, um, but I think that DAs around the state acting this way, reacting in this way, um, is just them understanding, okay, practically, what am I going to do with this, right? And I don't, I don't think that they would do something that would end up harming their communities in not prosecuting these cases. Right. So let's say I was stopped for possession of marijuana and because we didn't know how much THC, how much THC it has, it would need to be tested uh, to see if it falls under, you know, uh, to be defined as quote unquote hemp. That, like you mentioned, would cost a lot of money and that Mm -hmm. testing can take months at a time. Right. So not only is it expensive, but uh, I mean, in some ways, could you argue that, uh, I, I mean, why why go through the process when when technically possession of marijuana is still illegal? I mean, you can just arrest people um, and not have to go through this lengthy process, I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's expensive. Um, and I don't think that was uh, the intended purpose. But now that the law is into effect, I think there's some confusion about that. Right. And we can work through the confusion. We can we can do it the Travis County DA and other DAs are doing. And then if it doesn't work, we can step it back. Right. Nobody's saying that that's not a situation that can be worked on. Um, but I think, again, this is a conversation about cost. Um, and the fact that we've already spent a million dollars this year alone outsourcing inmates. Right. right. So I think that the, commu- as a taxpayer, as we all pay taxes, right. I think they, I think people in control of county government, city government, every level of government have a responsibility to keep, costs low because that's our money, right? Mm. And where do we want to see that money go? Like I'd rather see it go to to things that are actually going to keep us safe and I don't think that testing for these things is going to. San Marcos City Councilman Mark Rockymore is no stranger to the Hayes County Jail. I spent tonight in this building back here back in 2015 and it was a instance that now under sight and release i would not have had to spend the night in jail that's why fighting for criminal justice reform is so important to him i know through experience that if you have a classy misdemeanor charge on your record and you are someone who's otherwise a minority then it is virtually impossible for you to receive a well-paying job on july 9th hayes county district attorney westmouth responded to the signing of HB 1325 with what some would call a controversial and confusing statement. In the statement, Mao said the hemp regulation law did not legalize possession or the distribution of small amounts of marijuana in Texas. Quote, The Hayes County Criminal District Attorney's Office will continue to accept marijuana possession and distribution cases from law enforcement and will continue to deal with those cases as justice requires, as well as any additional charges under the new law. End quote. Because anyone possessing hemp is required to have proper documentation, Mao says people who do not provide that documentation will be prosecuted under that law. But if testing is required for prosecution, Mao says his office will consider the time, money, and resources needed to conduct testing on a case-by-case basis. You should be putting money towards the community. You should be putting money towards rape kits. You should be putting money towards other cases that directly affect the general public, not to testing for, you know, a certain level of THC. People with only minor amounts of marijuana should not be sent to jail for that possession. They should be cited and released, if not diverted, into some sort of program so that they don't enter the criminal justice system at all. But this statement from the DA is somewhat at odds with not only other DAs in the state, but the efforts of elected officials here in Hayes County, the Hayes County Commissioner's Court, 
which consists of both Republicans and Democrats, have invested countless resources on addressing criminal justice reform in the county. More specifically, viewers of the San Marcos Cube can recall a former episode where Republican County Commissioner Lon Show explicitly stated he would much rather rehabilitate drug abusers or cite and release small possessions of marijuana than sending those people in jail where they probably don't belong. Let's not forget that the county is currently spending up to $75,000 a week on outsourcing prisoners to other counties because the jail is overpopulated. So why send non-violent offenders to jail when it could inevitably lead to the inmates being outsourced, which comes with a plethora of travel-related and representation issues? Yeah, I've um, been paying attention a little bit to the county's criminal justice committee. They, But that committee is made up of people on both sides, right? Both Republicans and Democrats. So it's, it is bipartisan and they've been moving in a positive direction um, so far. So I think that speaks to what, what you just said, right? Like it's a bipartisan effort and Lon Shell is actually my commissioner. Um, and I've heard from him that he does seemingly care about these issues, right? So I think that maybe... That could be true. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much the DA and county commissioners talk to each other. Yeah. Right. Um, and the DA has a lot of power in the mass incarceration problem in this county. Hmm. And I hope that he understands. I hope I would hope every DA understands their role. Right. But I yeah, it does seem odd when the county commission does seem to be moving in another direction. Do you think our DA Westmount needs to do a little more in terms of this issue? Personally, yes. And I don't think that I'm alone. Um, and I think that, I mean, I really just hope that he, I would hope that he understands how deeply troubling the problem of mass incarceration is, um, the role of a prosecutor is to prosecute, right? But what are we prioritizing and what are we not? Are we doing that if we're spending a million dollars sending people elsewhere? Yeah. Right. Where's the proof that we're doing that? Can my DA show me the proof that we're actually working to rehabilitate people? For a long time, it, it was pretty much a one-sided conversation of being tough on drugs and the war on drugs and tough on crime and throw away the key, a broken windows approach where you treat every minor offense as if it's a major offense and try to fill as many prison uh, beds as possible. Mm. And uh, that just didn't seem to work. And it, what, it, what it did is it actually helped create a uh, perpetuation <laughs> of, a, of a criminal uh, culture that... It, was rooted in the incarceration system and has led to more problems and not really dealing with the root issues of a lot of those offenses. Uh, so uh, I started an organization and have worked with others called uh, Texans Smart on Crime mm. to balance that argument. And it's wonderful to hear now because you're hearing a lot more people using that smart on crime approach. And what, what that does is it... it just takes a different approach to crime and, and, and uses a little bit more of a um, uh, syncopated and yeah. uh, more complete examination of what's going on. So things don't just happen in isolation. Mm. There's causes and effects and dominoes that fall as a result of certain de- uh, decisions which are, which are made. So if we can change that flow into a flow that leads to diversion from uh, the jail system and be able to have um, a restorative quality where people can uh, um, make amends for their crimes. Victims can be 
uh, at least at some level, uh, try to be made whole from their experience as well and create an opportunity for the uh, entire community to be involved in the process. And that has led to things like community policing and uh, site and summons, which is an approach where they uh, look at jail as someplace where uh, we put people we're afraid of, not people that we're mad at and uh, pose a threat to the community. And uh, what's also real important is making sure that the punishment matches the crime. Uh, right now, uh, a lot of our laws are based on uh, valuations of the dollar back in the 1990s mm. and uh, the changing views on other issues as well, like marijuana. And we like to call it like the recalibration needs to take pe- place, which is an adjustment, reevaluation, taking into account all the new uh information we've gotten from experiments which have been going on across the country uh, regarding this issue. I mean, looking at the Hayes County Jail, clearly overpopulated. We're spending $70,000 a week up to, sometimes even up to $75,000 a week outsourcing inmates. Now, if we're looking at numbers from 2017, I mean, 866 arrests for possession of marijuana. Potentially, those are, that's a lot of people going through the system, a lot of people going through the jail. Um how, how critical is it that we solve the overpopulation problem in our jail? And is this a key component to that? Yeah, yes. There, obviously, uh, there needs to be a reevaluation of who goes to jail and how we deal with offenders who we divert from the jail system. And one of the things that has been amazing, and it's true in Hayes County as well as almost every other county jail across the state of Texas, that the number one provider of mental health services is the local county jail. The largest county, uh, the largest provider of mental health services in the state is Harris County Jail. Wow. And so we have a huge number of people that are filling our jails who may not necessarily be criminal characters, but have medical issues which have led them to the situation they're at. So rather than treating that underlying mental condition through medical treatment, support services, uh, job training, other types of uh, restorative programs, you're going to, all you have is is a criminal for life who is caught in a vicious circle where he's unable to make it an outside society. So he has to create a a niche for himself behind bars. I want to talk about this press release by, by our district attorney, Wes Mao. And I want to, he says, quote, the Hayes County criminal district attorney's office will continue to accept marijuana possession and distribution cases from law enforcement and will continue to deal with those cases as justice requires, as well as any additional charges under the law, end quote. To me, that that reads business as usual. Uh, is that discouraging to hear? Well, it, it, it's not in, because it's really couched in turning uh, the responsibility over to the law enforcement officers. Mm. And I think that's where... Uh, the district attorney should be in a certain sense, too. He does have some discretion with how much money and resources that the county puts into those uh, types of cases. But law enforcement now has been uh, directed, I believe, by city council to make marijuana offenses a lower priority. And so, uh, and also to implement the site and summons policy, which uh, provides for, uh, instead of going to jail upon um, 
uh, arrest for possession of marijuana. You're given a field release citation, which tells you a court date to go to, and then you go through your court process at that time. Mm. So that is a, a first step to diverting people. But uh, there should also be some kind of program, and there is in Hayes County where you can do uh, some certain classes or other things like that to have your charges dropped. And I think that if that is the policy that he's talking about maintaining and that the police officers just focus their arrests on significant um, traffickers and rather than just your uh, wayward youth, I, I think that, that that would be something that the community would support. So uh, I'm giving it time and let's see how it develops and, uh, and see if this uh, reevaluation of the policies within the city and the county do step forward on this issue, which I believe they will. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that Anderson County, which is uh, one of the most recent counties that have implemented Sight and Summons has done to help make their program more effective is that they've actually dedicated an officer now who does follow-up with uh, the people who are cited. And part of that follow-up is a social services mm. survey to find out, okay, is that person, are they employed? Are they, uh, are they uh, looking for a job? Do they have mental health or other physical health problems that they can need assistance with? But a whole a variety or treatment for a whole variety of social service type questions and services that they provide so that they can provide the resources necessary to turn that person off of a path for a crime and into productive service. Right. So instead of, you know, sticking them in a jail where potentially their situation could get even worse, depending on who they're around within the jail, providing services that the county can implement. I know Harris County does, has a lot of services in order to help rehabilitate these people or figure out what is going on within their lives so that we can try to, 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 to have these people as productive members of society. Not saying that just because you have possession of marijuana, you're not a productive member of society, but in turn, that's the goal. Yeah, and, and that's what a goal of our criminal justice system should be. Uh, one example I like to use is for graffiti. Uh, city of Baltimore does this, Philadelphia. Mexico City also started this, where uh, they have a wayward youth uh, artist program so that and when you go to court for being caught with graffiti, you're given an option of either going ahead and serving probation and have a criminal record, or you can participate in a mentoring program whereupon successful completion of a course with a prominent artist and public service using your art skills on public murals, your charges are dropped and you're awarded a certificate of, of accomplishment. So mm -hmm. rather than go for then going for a job interview, instead of having a, a criminal record, you have this certificate of uh, art program that you've completed. Mm -hmm. And it just is a total different approach to dealing with the issue. In terms of how how deeply it can affect somebody's life to have something like this on their record. We've heard stories from personal anecdotes from across the county. Uh, how much can this hurt somebody's ability to be productive, a, a productive member of society, even if they already were, they were just caught with some, some marijuana? It, it's, it has a, a cumulative and negative effect because it can lead to not only your, okay, arrest can lead you to missing work the next day, which can lead you to losing your job, which can put stress on your relationship and your ability to support your children and yourself. It can restrict your ability to uh, obtain certain professional licenses, which is another thing that Texans Smart on Crime work on, is that once you're criminal 
time is served. You should not be still barred for many of the professional licenses which the state of Texas and nationally are still hmm. uh, denied um, convicted felons or criminals, uh, like plumbing. You, hmm. you know, it, there's no reason if you, you know, if you were a low-level drug offender, and because you, you should never be able to be a plumber. <laughs> right, and, right. and so, making sure that we are able to balance again the punishment to fit the crime, and not to treat people uh, as if they are hardened criminals. Uh, without giving them a chance and an opportunity to restore their life. Right. Looking forward, are we optimistic despite the DA's comments or, or and we look around other DA's coming out and saying, look, we're not going to, we're not going to prosecute these kind of offenses. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And in Hayes County, are we moving towards a, a better criminal justice system? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, Hayes County was one of the first counties <clears throat> to implement sight and summons. Every law enforcement uh, agency within the county is adopted sight and summons, and now they have uh, actually paid increased attention to its benefits in keeping officers on the street, which is the best way to prevent crime, and the reduced costs that it uh, and time and effort it's cost in the court system, and they're looking at other types of law enforcement resources that can be utilized in. Uh, in a more effective manner. Uh, that's what we're basically looking at. Was it more effective to spend money on uh, to IT mm. uh, and be able to help identify? One of the things I've, I, I talk to a lot of law enforcement, part of uh, Texas Smart on Crime, I meet with judges, district attorneys, police chiefs, sheriffs. Yeah. And one th thing that they all seem really behind right now, and I've even heard it talked about in, in major media, is hotspots criminal hotspots that are able to be identified through algorithms mm -hmm. and, and computer programs, which are very costly. And uh, they take into, they, they, they've taken all this information and are, are able to predict where crimes, they, can, they may not be able to predict the particular person or the particular crime, but they're good in the categories in the areas. And these things have incredible uh, results. But that's a lot of resources that are having to be dedicated to that program. And most communities still are diverting resources that could be used on that to test urine and plants. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier, uh, I believe it's been a month and a half now, we saw the county commissioner's court basically deny and drop no action on a public defender's office, which was very controversial. Um, we've had commissioners who were not in favor of it come out and say, look, this is something we want to do in the future. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that decision? Do we need a public defender's office, and do you believe we will get one eventually? Yeah, I, I believe <clears throat> definitely that we need a public defender's office. And you know, my own personal uh, proof of that, and, and I'm still, I'll go ahead and put this challenge out now yeah. because it, 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 I was actually found not guilty by a jury trial in Hayes County with a court-appointed attorney, mm. and that was still, that was back in the, in the 20th century. And uh, some court watchers who actually did quite a bit of research were not able to ever find another case like that in Hayes County where a court-appointed attorney was able to get a not guilty in a jury trial. Mm. And uh, I don't think anyone's done it in this century either. So wow. to be the only person in the 20th and 21st century to be found not guilty uh, by a jury <laughs> with a court-appointed attorney, I think, is a pretty good condemnation on mm. relying on court-appointed attorneys to do an adequate job of defending uh, 
suspects in this community. So you've been through the system. Oh yes. I mean, what 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 was your experience with it with it then, and how much has it changed now? I mean, the the, the arguments for a public defender's office is that these people can get the adequate help sooner, more efficiently, and with with an attorney who is willing to help them, not someone who is not inadequately paid by you know the county to do X, Y, and Z. I mean, how much has the system changed since since when you went through that? Uh, the system doesn't change that much. It, mm. there, there's you know, little bits on the edges, but still, it's basically a money game you know if you mm-hmm. if you have the money to pay for the attorney you're going to be doing less time than someone who can't afford an attorney hence the public and, defender's office yes and, and you're uh you know you're going to be ground into dust by the system by trying to obtain any semblance of justice in your own mind because the system has its own pace that it has to work at mm. so you can go ahead and negotiate, but you're going to end up having to accept whatever plea they end up giving you. And fortunately, we've gotten away. For a while, we had district attorneys whose offer, plea bargain offer, is the maximum. <laughs> yeah. So there was no even no even incentive to even not go to trial. But still, people were so intimidated by the system they would accept that offer. So, do you believe we'll see a public defender's office in the near future? I, I'm hoping we do. Uh, I do feel one one. I guess. Uh, Ray of Sunshine I see in Hayes County is our judges. We have really outstanding judges. And they have done, even with the uh, number of marijuana arrests, you can see the, the, the penalties for marijuana, particularly for first-time offenders, are not nearly as severe as they used to be. Mm. And they, the, the, the judges, I think, do a good job at representing the community and focusing their sentences on people who pose a threat to the community and do provide opportunities for folks who are more or less victims of the system to be able to be mediated in in, in their punishment. Well, I mean, that pretty much wraps up all the questions I had, but is there anything that I might have missed, though, you know, in this all-encompassing issue that you would like to add? No, just that I urge more people to talk to their legislative officials and law enforcement officials about smart-on-crime approaches and, and the benefits that we can have by treating these people like like human beings, and restoring people who have fallen to the wayside or got caught in situations beyond their con- their control or need medication and medical supervision and can only find it through the legal system to start changing these issues and start changing the way we're dealing with these issues and start really focusing on making jail a place for people who pose a threat to our community so that we can keep them off our streets. Joe, I appreciate the time. I'm sure I'll have you back on the show in the future. Um, Great insight, and and I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All the links to the relevant articles, sound bites, and press releases will be linked in the description of this podcast and on social media. Special thanks to the team at Mono Amiga, Joe Patak, Fox 7, and other local media which have continued to report on the issues surrounding the criminal justice system here in Hayes County. The San Marcos Scoop is a production of Newstreams Media and is here to bring you analysis of some of the biggest news in San Marcos and Hayes County. If you like what you hear, please subscribe so you are notified when episodes are released every single Friday. You can reach me, XR Arguello, the creator and content producer here at the San Marcos Scoop on Facebook or on Instagram by searching San Marcos Scoop, or you can email us at smtxscoop at gmail.com. And finally, let us know your thoughts on today's episode. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Like I said, find us on Facebook and on Instagram by searching San Marco Scoop. 
This episode was a blast to work on and produce. And once again, thank you to everybody who made it possible. As always, thank you so much for the time and support. And I'll see you next week.